We're going to open, we're, we're in 1 Kings 12 today. As we kind of get our minds ready for the word, let me start with this. I'll kind of get our, our minds ready. I have a pretty good love story with my wife, like how we met, how I romanced her. It was, it was, a, good, it was a good thing. It was, uh, it's movie worthy. It's that good. So, so I win her heart. I ask for her hand in marriage. She says yes. And then we get married, and it's a beautiful Michigan day. We got married outside at her parents uh, at the Christmas tree farm. It was magical, except for the bees. Um, well, then once you get married, you got like, you to live together. You got to like, like, there's the wedding, and then there's the marriage afterwards. The wedding was awesome. The, the chasing was awesome. The, the wedding was awesome. That first year was tough for us. Um, I didn't know how to love anyone but myself. And it caused a lot of tension in our lives. I was a very selfish man. I was very inconsiderate. Um, that first year of marriage was very hard for us. And my wife would tell me often, not often, she'd tell me sometimes this one little truth that would help me, that has helped us make it all these years. We've been married 19 years, 20 next year. Lord willing. Um, not, not because, not, if, uh, uh, <laughs> assuming I don't die. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. To quote, what's, what's Billy Graham's wife's name, Ruth? To quote Ruth Graham, I don't believe in divorce. Murder maybe, but never divorce. Uh, but uh, so she would tell me this because we would have these conflicts, these disagreements. Her feelings would be hurt. She would feel offended. And I would say, well, that's just your feeling. That, wasn't, that isn't what I meant. It's not what I intended. So get over it. That goes really well. Um, and she said to me, she told me this one phrase. It's been a part of our lives for 19 years. She said, Ernesto, you got to understand, perspective is a powerful thing. So I need you to understand where I'm coming from and just like stand in my shoes. Even though you didn't mean this, can you see how this could be taken this way? Can you see how this would land upon me and wound my heart? For a while, I'm like, listen, if I didn't mean it badly, it wasn't bad, that's your problem. I used to say crazy stuff like that to, my, to, my, to this sweet woman. But over time, I've been realizing perspective is a powerful thing. And I started realizing, man, how would this be taken by someone? How would this feel, these words I said, or forgetting our anniversary, how would that make someone feel? Perspective is a powerful thing. Today, as we read this story in the Bible, we're going to take two different perspectives, two point of views, an earthly point of view and a heavenly point of view. This story is very unique because the author actually lets us in, lets us, lets us go behind the scenes. A lot of time, all we see is what happens in front of us. We don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. But in this story, God's like, he reveals his cards. Like, this is what I'm really doing that you cannot see. So oftentimes, there's what I can see. There's the stuff that's happening around me and to me and to us. But then there's this heavenly perspective of what God is doing behind the scenes. So we're going to deal with both of these realities. The earthly 
and then the heavenly, okay? So we're in 1 Kings chapter 12. This is what it says, 1 Kings 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Solomon has died. Solomon's eldest boy, Rehoboam, is going to become king of Israel. But Israel is a very unique nation. It's really 12 tribes. And David and Solomon both, when they became king, they had to go to the 12 tribes, the leadership, and get all the 12 tribes to really, like, sign off on his kingship. He had to make sure everyone was on his team. He didn't want to have, like, two of the tribes rebel. So he had to go and kind of be political and make sure everybody was with him. You know what I'm saying? So Rehoboam has to go to the north. Called, it's a city called Shechem. Because the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, they're loyal to David. They're David's kin. You know what I'm saying? They love that David was king and Solomon was king. And now Rehoboam, they're on his team. But those other ten tribes, they used to be boys with Saul, who didn't like David's crew. So he's got to constantly, every generation, win these people over and let them know, listen, I'm going to be your king. Let's, do, let's remain a united nation. So Rehoboam has come to Shechem to meet with the leaders of the ten tribes of the north to make sure we're all together. As soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had, been, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam. So all these leaders come to Rehoboam at Shechem to see, are, are we going to let you be our king? And in this crowd of people, of these leaders, there's a guy named Jeroboam, son of Nebat. And Jeroboam, son of Nebat, he's the opposition leader. If Rehoboam's a Republican, this is the Democratic nominee. And he's in the crowd. He's there like, if this fool messes up, I'm taking this down. Because he has some very powerful alliances. There are powerful people that love him and want him to be the king. So you have this big crowd. In the crowd, there's a, there's a guy who wants to knife you. At this moment, Rehoboam must be very wise. He's got to find a way to get all ten tribes to really to stamp of approval his kingship. This is a moment of great danger for him and requires wisdom. Now, we've talked about wisdom a lot in the last few weeks. Solomon was the most wise man who ever lived. Wisdom is simply that ability to discern what I should do in a very difficult situation. Now, sometimes in life, sometimes we know what's right and wrong. The question is, should I steal or not steal? I know from God's word I should not steal. But what, what about, should I date this person or not? Should I look for a new job or not look for a new job? Should I buy this house or not buy this house? There are questions you will face in your life that aren't right and wrong. They're not black and white. There are questions of, I need God's help to make a wise decision. Rehoboam must be wise. This is the earthly perspective. How do we be wise when we come to the crossroads of our lives? The people are there. Rehoboam is there. This is his moment to really shine. That's what the northern leaders say. They say, verse 4, 
Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. They say, listen, Rehoboam, your dad was brutal to us. And he was. Solomon taxed the crap out of Israel. Because Solomon built the temple and the palace. When you build beautiful, awesome buildings, someone's got to pay for that. These things are ornate gold and jewels and iron and bronze. So Solomon taxed his people brutally. And they say, listen, man, your pops, he taxed us so bad. We're asking you to lighten the load. And if you lighten this load on us, we will serve you forever. Now, this request, it's understandable. Lighten our taxes. And this is what he says. Verse 5, he says to them, go away for three days then come again to me. So the people went away. This is the only wise thing this guy does. He says, give me a few days. That's a smart move. If someone comes to you with a really big question, it's hard to make a, a, a snap decision. A snap decision. Ah, um, sorry, I didn't, I didn't ever got that. Um, that's tough to do. He said, give me a few days. Think about it. I... Often, if I have a big decision, I say, give me a few days to think about it. Pastor John hates this about me. He'll say, we should do this. I'm like, give me a few days. I do it all the time. I want time to pray, to think, and very importantly, to seek counsel. I want to hear from their people wisdom to know how I should move and go forward. Listen, bringing Flint City and Eastside together, this was a tough thing. Last night, we're at dinner with Angie's dad. He's so encouraging. Um, no, but uh, he said to me, he goes, you know, mergers seldom work. And I'm like, can I have some more ice cream? Um, but uh, it's true, though. Mergers are very hard. Bringing two cultures together is a tough thing. We've had to be very wise as we have to bring these two communities together. It's been a lot of conversation, a lot of seeking wisdom, a lot of prayer. Rehoboam needs to get counsel. What should I do? He needs some earthly wisdom to make a good decision. So what does he do? He says, then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer these people? He goes to his dad's old counselors. Solomon ruled for 40 years. 40 years. Our longest sitting president served, he was elected four times, but didn't serve his fourth term. Anyone know who the longest serving president of all time was in America? FDR. FDR. Straight up, dude. The guy was king of America. He ruled for 12 years. Would have had 16, but he died. In 12 years, he gained power and influence we couldn't imagine. He's the president who said, he literally said, man, I'm too powerful. No one should ever have this again. And he made two term limits for presidents. Thank the Lord. Um, and that's, FDR, was, he ruled for 12 years. Solomon ruled for 40. His counselors are old men. They have seen some stuff, right? They've seen wartime and peace. They've seen famine and plenty. They have, they've earned their gray hair. He goes to his dad's counselors, what should I do? You guys have seen, what should I do? And this is what they tell him. They say, they said to him this. If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. 
Dude, your dad taxed them hard. If you turn that from nine down to six, they got your back. If you lighten the load, they're going to be your loyal subjects. Answer them kindly. Answer them warmly. Let's do this thing. Lower their taxes. Okay, I hear your advice. That sounds great. Then Rehoboam says this, verse 8. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. He said to them, what do you advise that we should answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, Whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. The King James says, my father whipped you with whips, but I will whip you with scorpions. You think it was bad then? You ain't seen nothing yet. They've taxed you bad. I'm going to tax you even worse. I'm going to tax. I'm giving you income tax. I'm giving you gasoline tax. I'm giving you... Go to the movies tax. I'm getting you everywhere you go. I'm giving you Netflix tax. I'm going to get you. I'm going to tax everything you love. I'm going to take money out of your pocket. Now, why would young men say this? I'll tell you why. Think about it. It's their turn. Waiting for these old men to die. They're finally dead. Let's have a party every night. Take the money so we can eat, drink, and be merry. We want the party to go 24-7 in this house. We got to pay for this party. You tax these guys like crazy so we can live the high life in the palace. Tax them. Get them. It's our money. So the old men tell them, answer them kindly, lower taxes. The young, his, his boys, his best friends, the guys who grew up with, they tell them, listen, it's our time. Take the money. Let them know who's the boss. You tell them, I'm the boss, not you. Give me the money. Good plan. From this story, we learned a very, very powerful truth and wisdom. We find it in Proverbs 27. This proverb was written by King Solomon. Solomon probably told his son this, and Rehoboam forgot. 27 verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I'll give you the King James. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What does that mean? I want to give you a piece of wisdom to hold on to. It is wise when facing a crossroad to take time to pray, think, and seek counsel. Seeking counsel is very, very wise. But who do we seek counsel from? It says here, the wounds, faithful are the wounds of a friend. What are the wounds of a friend? I'll tell you what they are. It's when someone loves you so much, they'll tell you the truth even though they know you don't want to hear it. They'll tell you the truth even though you might get mad at them. They love you so much, they're willing to speak into your life and say the hard thing that no one is willing to say. That's the wound from a friend. When I was younger, in that first season of marriage, 
There was a moment in time where uh, I was doing an all-nighter for junior high kids. I had this big old bus. I was a bus driver. I was all stressed. We had to go like, to the, the roller rink and then to a high school and go swimming. And then we just had to drive all over all night long with like 100 junior high kids. And I was just stressed about it. We get to the church, have pizza. We leave the church. We're driving away. My phone rings. I'm like, what's up? It's Angie. She goes, you took the car keys with you. I'm stuck at the church. So I'm furious. I mean, turn this bus around. It's not easy. And I'm going to lose seven minutes of my life. It's not, it's, listen. That's what it felt like. So I turned the bus around. I'm driving back, and I'm burning. I'm mad. And it's my fault. I, 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 I forgot. I forgot. But I didn't blame myself. I blamed her. That's easier. I'm driving by the church. I'm pulling up. I just drive by the church, and I throw the keys out the window into the ditch and keep on driving. Your gas are good. I, listen, listen. <laughs> so we get to the, get to the, get to the um, Rolladium. The kids go skating. I'm parking the bus. And my brother Tony stayed on the bus with me. He's one of, he, so all the kids get on the bus. And I'm parking, getting up. And he goes, hey, Nesso, come here. What's up, dude? He goes, that wasn't right. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you shouldn't treat Angie that way. She doesn't deserve it. And dude fire, right? You ain't married, you don't know? Like, that, that, that def- defensive, right? What do you know about it? Who are you to tell? Like, immediately defensiveness. Just anger. I'll tell you the truth. My brother loved me so much. When no one was around, he wasn't trying to make shame. He wasn't trying to embarrass me. He wasn't making fun of me. He was alone, just us. He wanted to tell me, dude, you know where we came from. We can't keep that thing going. We got to change the way we treat the people we love. You can't be this way, Ernesto. And dude, it made me so angry. It hurt me so deep. That was the wound from a friend. Faithful are the wounds from a friend. When you need wisdom, don't go to the people who are going to tell you what you want to hear. Go to the people who tell you what you need to hear. People who are older than you are, wiser, go to spiritual mature people and ask them, what do you think I should do? We all have people who would tell us what we want to hear. We all have those people. We need to call sometimes. We need to ask sometimes the people who aren't going to kiss our booty, who will tell us the truth about what's going on in our life. And it might hurt. I remember in college, I was dating a girl. I said, hey, man, isn't she awesome? And one of my guys was like, no, nah, man, she ain't. And dude, I was like, <laughs> like, it was like, you want to fight? Now or later. But again, it was just us alone, and he talked to me, dude, this, your goal is to do this, and she doesn't want to do that. She doesn't feel called to the ministry. What are you going to do? And because he cared for me, he spoke truth into my life. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The old guard, the old counselors told Rehoboam, Rehoboam, we'll have less money. There'll be less parties in the palace. It's true. But speak well to the people. Be a little poorer. It's going to be great. Wounds from a friend. Ask, when you ask wisdom, go to people who are going to tell you the truth, the hard truth. In my life as a pastor, some of my greatest regrets in my life are when I didn't have the courage to look someone in the eye and tell them, you're going to blow your life up. I was silent in a moment they needed to hear the truth, and I let them walk into the explosion. 
Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. The people who tell you what you want to hear, they may think they're being loving, but they're just like cheering for you as you walk into hell. That's not a good friend. When I was in school in Chicago, my first year in Chicago, there was a girl we knew, and she had an eating disorder. And over the year, her body began to shrink because she wasn't eating. <clears throat> All the friends knew what was happening. They realized she is starving herself. She's becoming emaciated. This is, but everyone was like, you know, we're just going to be nice to her. We're going to love on her. We're none, we're gonna, no one's going to confront her intervention because we're too afraid of spooking her, you know? So no one said nothing. Months go by. Her body shrivels. And one day after, 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 between classes, she just falls down the hallway. She's rushed to the hospital. Turns out, when you don't eat for so long, your body begins to eat itself. It eats its own muscles, its own tissue. She was so far gone, her body had been eating itself for quite a season, and the doctors could not reverse it. And she died. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the friend's fault. There's a lot of things that happened in that, in that year. But, but they bore guilt in their soul. They felt like, why didn't we speak? Why didn't we tell us what we loved? You are walking towards death. Sometimes the loving thing to do is to be with our friend and to say, friend whom I love, I'm concerned for you. And if you do this, don't do this a lot, okay? Don't wound your friend every day because they won't be your friend very long. Don't beat your friends up. But sometimes it's, it's, it's a, it's a time, there's a time to speak. Speak to them when you're alone, just, just you and them. Don't do it in front of people. Don't embarrass them or shame them. Don't do it on social media. Oh, that's, that, no, listen, that's not where you hear things. That's where you just yell at people. Faithful to the wounds of a friend. So Rehoboam does not listen to the old guard. Instead, listens to his young buddies who tell him what he wants to hear. The money is yours. You're the best. You're the baddest. Take it all. What are they going to do to you? You're the toughest guy in the world. What are they going to do to you? You're the king. He's like, I am the king. And he says to the crowds, listen, my dad whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. And he waits for the cheer. Guess what? The cheers don't come. This is what happens. Back to 1 Kings 12. So Jeroboam, all the people, came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly. And forsaking the counsel the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. He tells them all this. You know what happens next? Those 10 tribes from the north say, you know what? You're not our king. And those 10 tribes create a civil war. And the nation of God, Israel, has breaks into two different nations. In the north is Israel, made up of 10 tribes. And they will be at war with Judah forever. In the south, you have Judah and Benjamin. Two new nations, Judah and Israel. God's people fighting brother against brother. 
because of the foolishness of one person. One person's lack of wisdom sent a nation to war. Listen, we're not presidents in this room. We're just people. But our foolishness can hurt more than just us. Our lack of wisdom can hurt the people we love. We can hurt our siblings, our children, our parents. When we choose to be foolish, we can truly bring destruction upon our lives by choosing to be unwise. I remember, uh, man, college again. One of my buddies had two grand in his bank account, needed four to pay for school the next year. So he decided it was a great idea. He's going to go to the boats in Indiana and play blackjack and make his tuition. So me and some of the boys go with him. to like, listen, we're going to keep him from hurting himself. So we go to the boats. He goes from 2000 to 3000 in about three hours. We're like, dude, you're a 1000 closer. Let's get out of here. Buy a sock on the way home. It's going to be great. He's like, dude, if I made three th- I made a thousand in three hours, imagine what I can do in three more hours. I can make it all. We're like, let's just go. He wouldn't leave the table. That three begins falling. It goes to two. We're like, dude, you're at zero. Let's go. He's like, no, I can get it back. I can get it back. The two becomes one. The one becomes zero. Before we know it, he's pulling one off his credit card. We try to get him to leave. He just wouldn't listen. And we watch this guy burn his life down. And his foolishness hurt him. He had to leave school. So all the ministries he was involved in, he had to leave and there was no one to leave. He used to work in their city. He had to stop doing all that ministry. He had to leave Chicago, go back home to Texas. Because his, his lack of wisdom didn't just hurt him, hurt everybody he was ministering to. That's the earthly perspective. When we make decisions, there's two questions to ask. First question is, is it right or wrong? When you have a crossroads, the first question to ask is, is it right or wrong? The next question is, is it wise or unwise? There are some things that are not sinful that are really dumb. Right? There are some things that are not sinful that are really unwise and bad for you. Here's a ridiculous one. Chipotle makes really hot hot sauce. When I eat said hot sauce, I know at 2 in the morning when I wake up, it's going to go very bad for me. I know the cause and effect of that red sauce. I know what's going to happen. But there's some days I'm just like, who gives a rip? I put it on there and I eat it. That's unwise. That's not, God's not like, you done sinned against heaven. No, I didn't sin against heaven. I ate hot sauce. But you know, the next day when I'm grumpy, I didn't sleep well, what I mean to everybody, that unwisdom affects other people. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's a ridiculous, that's a ridiculous illustration. My point stands. Is it wise? And if you want to figure out, man, God, what should I do? Seeking counsel is a very good thing to do. Ask for counsel. Ask for wisdom. Go to someone you know who's older than you are, who's spiritually mature, someone you trust and say, what would you do if you were in my shoes? What counsel can you give me? It's a very wise thing to do. Rehoboam's foolishness breaks Israel in half. That's the earthly story. His foolishness hurt God's people. 
But there's one more layer to the story. Listen to what happens last. Listen to what the, the writer says. Verse 15. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. What's going on here? If you read earlier in the chapter, Solomon dishonors the Lord. Solomon begins building um, altars of foreign gods. And God says to Solomon, like, Solomon, you've turned away from me. And because you've turned away from me, I'm going to take some of the kingdom from you. You will lose 10 tribes, and David only keep two. God prophesied of the civil war. And God brought that war to fruition and made it happen. Which means Rehoboam's, was Rehoboam wrong? Yes. Is Rehoboam responsible? Yes. But even his foolishness was part of God's plan because God is in control. That, as you read this, you realize God, God is bringing creation to a purpose. And even our sinfulness, even our foolishness cannot derail God's plan. Now, I'm not telling you, do what you want. Some people will say, well, if God's in control, let it rain, baby. If God's in charge, why not just be stupid and he can redeem it? Listen. If I tell my son, boy, don't cross Ridgefield Road. People drive too fast. A car's going to smoke you. That's the truth. If he doesn't cross the street, he proves my words correct, doesn't he? He didn't go over the street, he remains safe. If I'm like, I'm going to show you what I mean. If I walk into the street and a car just, boom, blows into me and sends me flying in the air, he goes, man, dad was right. Cars do hit people. <laughs> Both prove the truth of it. I'd rather my life, I don't want my life to be a warning sign for others. I don't want to be in a body cast to say, God was right the whole time. You don't have to go through it to learn the lesson. You don't. And you know what? Rehoboam remembered in history as a foolish king who through his stupidity plunged his nation into war. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said later on, Jesus said, stumbling blocks will come, but woe. Woe to them through whom the stumbling block comes. So God's in control. We can't derail his plans. But I would much rather, I would, I would much rather help God's will be made in the world than God have to use me as an object lesson of what not to be. I'd rather God work through me and not against me. Be wise. Seek wise counsel. Do not be foolish, but even if you are foolish, and listen, every one of us have been unwise. I told you the story of those keys, and you, a lot of you recoiled in horror, which is a good reaction. Some, if, if some dude was like, yeah, that'd be bad, that'd be bad. God had to teach us the hard way. The first years of our marriage were really tough. 
I, I caused a lot of wounds to my wife's heart, and she had to forgive me. It was, it was bad. I could stay that way. I could stay a mean, harsh, brutal man, and God could somehow find a way to redeem all that awfulness. But why would I want to make my wife and kids suffer their whole lives? So I'm saying to you, wisdom's a good thing. Be wise, but know that even when you do fumble the ball, even when you do mess up, it doesn't mean your story is over. God, his hand is still on the wheel. He still knows where he's going. He still can redeem the mess you've made. He can. There is hope even in the midst of our foolishness. I'm not saying be foolish. I'm just saying there's hope for fools. Thanks be to God. Don't be an idiot, but if you are, when you wake up, God will be there. With that said, let us pray. God in heaven, thank you for your word that is true. May this proverb find its way into our heart, O oh Lord. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Let us be grateful for those who love us enough to speak to us, to be honest with us, out of a loving heart to talk to us of the things that we do not want to hear, but we need to hear sometimes. And Lord, as we walk through this life with its many ups and downs, with its fumbles and failures, let us remember through it all that though we are faithless, you are faithful. That though we stumble, Lord, you still stand. Lord, you are God. And your purposes cannot be overthrown. And for this we say hallelujah. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.